0: Welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast when a pair of pastor scholars study a scripture passage drawn from the revised common lectionary. We hope that it will be enjoyable and edifying for all, as well as equipping for pastors or teachers who are working on sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury, and my guest this week is Dave Smith. Dave is a professor of Bible, especially of New Testament, at the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan. University. And uh, Dave's an old uh, friend and teacher and mentor of mine, and I'm very glad to have him on the show this week. Our text this week is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, which is uh, starting us off with uh, six or seven weeks here when we'll be in Ephesians. So this is a great way to start with Dave here, uh, who knows Ephesians well and from whom I've learned a lot about Ephesians. I've heard him preach a number of times uh, from this book, different portions of this book. So I'm really glad to have him here. Make sure to subscribe if you're not already so you never miss an episode. And as you're listening, if you're enjoying the show, hit the share button on your podcast player app of choice to pass this show along to others with a text message or on social media so they might enjoy as well. And lastly, if you'd like to support the show as well as receive some additional content, simply go to patreon.com slash to become one of our patron saints Thanks for listening, and enjoy this conversation with Dave.
1: NIV, Ephesians 1, 3-14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, in which he purposed in Christ to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who are the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions, to the praise of his glory. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Let us pray. Father in heaven, we we bless your name for all the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. The blessings listed here that we're about to explore with our minds and words and hearts and with many other blessings that flow from these blessings, both seen and unseen. And we ask, Father, now in Christ that you would bless us in Christ with the the wisdom spoken of here the awareness, the intimate knowledge, the transforming attunement uh, to your grace. Uh, We ask this for Dave and for me that our tongues would be loosed to spring forth that which uh, we see with the eyes of faith and spring forth with uh, what we've experienced in our own hearts. And we ask this also for all who are listening in, uh, the power of the overheard word. As others overhear our conversation centered on this text, that they would be blessed not merely with greater understanding of the text, though that alone is a great gift that we would give you thanks for, but that... There would even be, dare we say, an experience of the realities to which these words point uh, to the glory and praise of your name in Jesus' name, we pray amen amen Amen. yeah, so what do you notice here in this text? What's you noticing today?
1: I know you know the text well, but um I tried to read it, and it's not. I'm not capable of doing that. I tried to read it as one sentence, because it is. Yeah, those and in hymns are in whom, Yeah, right? That's, they're that's subordinate right. clauses. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's four of those that occur. And so it's almost like you get to the end, and then you have to take a breath and keep mm-hmm. on going. In a singing perspective, I know that there are great singers that can both breathe in mm. and sing out, continuing the same note. Mm. Um, I just can't do that. And uh, I, I, just, I just double-checked something, John. This is kind of funny, but I have heard all of my academic life that this is the longest Greek sentence in the Bible. Ah, okay. And then I went to Colossians chapter 1 this afternoon, verses 9 through 20. Counted the words. There are 218 words there in one sentence. This is only 202. Only two hundred and two, so it's the the second longest Greek sentence. Which for most people, that's kind of a geeky kind of thing. But it is something that we just can't do in English. We need to keep this train of consciousness going, where we allow Paul to heap. All of these prepositional phrases on there giving more and more meaning and a broader band to what God has done in His Son Jesus. And I just, I can't do it in English. Yeah. So I failed miserably, but if we can all just kind of grapple with the idea that this is Paul's way of beginning this letter, which is an unusual beginning. He begins all of his letters with this and 2 Corinthians as an exception. Um, All of them he begins with a thanksgiving, where he tells the people that he's serving how much he prays for them regularly, loves them, cares for them, invests in them, finds faith that is to be uh, a living testimony for the church around him. Um, But here's that exception, where instead he begins with this long Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. So he begins this letter. I don't really have a good reason for that. It's, you may have this, John, kind of a list of questions you're going to ask Jesus mm. when you get to heaven, or Paul, why did you do this? It's just it's just different. And in Second Corinthians, as you probably know. He begins again with this kind of praise, but he's praising for people to be able to comfort people with the comfort that they have received as they've gone through suffering. Mm-hmm. And so, Second Corinthians is a book of suffering, and uh, the book of Ephesians is a book of the glory of God. And we see it as it begins here. So that's, that's kind of my thir- first thought that just jumps mm. into my head. Yeah, and well, you mentioned the uh, it's a it's a Greek geek point yeah. but it, it it's
0: not only that as you indicated because there's something about the piling on as you called it the piling on of yeah. prepositions which is the piling on of of praise
1: mm-hmm. right
0: it's it's oh and one more thing one more thing i remembered i grew up watching uh Columbo. Oh yeah, you know, and he'd <laughs> he's walking out. <laughs> oh, one more thing. Yeah, with this cigar. And Zan, you know, and it's like that a little. Oh, and this. Oh, and this. Yeah. But all yeah. anchored in that original statement of being blessed in Christ, and then it's in whom, in whom, in whom. Yeah. So it, it maybe this is maybe I'm falling back into mere Greek geeking, but I'll risk it. <laughs> It keeps the 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 agent of these verbs as as the God and Father yeah right so yeah. so God the Father doesn't fall into the background as the one who sent and then Jesus does things it's the God and Father as the the one he's the subject of so many of these verbs right with with the Messiah Jesus as the one in whom this takes place which then has all these double meanings it, yes, I noticed the, the NIV.
1: yeah
0: yeah I noticed some of the the NIV you, and you can translate in as you know with by or with through the, it sometimes has those meanings although I have a little preference for repeating the N every time because N has the ambiguity of is it the place where this is happening is it the, the instrument through which it's happening is it kind of happening to him first and then it trickles down to us? And it's kind of, I don't know, yes. It's like kind of all those yeah. things at once. Yeah. Christ is never set aside. He's always the the locus, um, the location, the means, the power, the mediator, to use the language from First Timothy, the one mediator right. Right. Uh, in whom all these things occur, even things distant in the past of foreordaining and purposing, but also... Present
1: things. Yeah, we and implicitly have
0: implicitly the things to come as well.
1: We have one subject, God, mm-hmm. and one main verb in this whole thing. Oh, he, really? He chose us. Yeah, the, the, oh, the rest. True. The rest, the rest are part of the clauses. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, and they're participles.
1: Yeah. That's right. So all of a sudden you you see, okay, this is a sentence about the work that God the Father did as He chose us. So we we can talk we can talk about this from a predestination standpoint. We can talk about this from a prevenient grace perspective. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is so. If if we have, um, uh, as you well know, I spend most of my time with eighteen to twenty-two year olds, and identity mm-hmm. is their biggest issue. You know, who am I? I? I don't know who they haven't. That has not been f- totally fashioned yet. But this is such a great passage for them that. Whether it be, as I said, prevenient grace, predestination, you are chosen. Mm -hmm. You are not just a random blip somewhere that is unconcerned. And everything about you is now being revealed through Jesus. And then it's not, you know, it's in Ephesians chapter 2 where we find out that we have actually been raised and seat with him in the heavenly places. Oh, wow. If If you don't find a good identity there... Um you're not looking hard enough. Yeah, that's why the ident the N matters, it seems it, to me. It does.
0: Because an identity there's a stability uh mm. about the identity that's being offered here. Nothing wrong with the word through, but if we were to just have our identity say through Christ, we might think of in English the word through at least, we might think of Christ as By means teaching of, us yeah, or has yeah, or yeah, provided yeah. or through his death and resurrection. The, the books, of, you know, the, the heavenly books have been cooked and now we have God as our father as if it's kind of this transaction in the past yeah. as opposed to this perfect reality that has been from eternity enacted in time and being still lived out mm. every day for yeah. us. Right. So the language of in keeps the relation, keeps
1: Christ at the the center of the yeah. identity permanently. Yeah, it does. Uh, you, you just kind of set off some bells in my head. It, it does occur 11 times. This, this in Christ, in him, um, occurs 11 times in verses 3 through 14. Wow. So, that that is a huge marker. So, let me, can, can I Please. Um, talk to you about a conversation I had with somebody recently. So, I always like it when you do something... Deep interpretive in the word, and then in short order get a chance to use it um, yeah. f- for, for God's glory. So I'm I'm going through Paul's letters and counting the number of times where we are invited to welcome Christ into our hearts. Because mm-hmm. when I, when I was a uh, a new believer, that's what I was saying. Once you pray to ask God, ask Christ into your heart. That occurs yeah. five times in Paul's letters. Okay. Then I did the real geeky thing which was to read back through and read the number of times that God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit invites us into the triune community. Yeah. 165 times. <laughs> and so Ephesians is wow. kind of laying out that agenda saying, "Yep, yep, it's good theology to ask Jesus to and this this is Ephesians to dwell in your heart through faith." Right, yeah, that's it's the only time in Ephesians where that right. comes. But a hundred and sixty-five times, God welcomes us into his triune community. Hmm. Um, I think Ephesians is laying that out. If you want your identity, yeah. it's in Christ.
0: And I bet that number would be significantly lower if we pulled Ephesians out of the canon, right? It might be it, one of the
1: higher ranks, It is. Right? <laughs> okay. it is. Yeah, I yeah. would say it, it's, if there's a book, I mean, 11, Romans, Romans is a great book for Pauline theology, but it's somewhat truncated. It's not all, it is redemptive theology. But uh, Ephesians is really about your understanding of ecclesiology in the church. What does the church look everything. like? We are in him. Romans is longer because it's an argument. I mean, yeah. Ephesians doesn't really
0: make him a lot of arguments, if any. It doesn't. Which might be one, I mean, this is, this is a different kind of geeking. This is historical, critical geeking, literary geeking. But you wonder, you mentioned how this is a different it's a different way of opening a mm-hmm. letter and that would seem to fit with the possibility that this was maybe of a more circular letter you don't you, right. we have a little less especially compared to galatians or some of these other books we have a little less info on the people he's writing to and honestly if, if a letter was being written say you know to to be handed around all of asia minor or who knows all over the mediterranean sea you know maybe it's a late letter he was kind of Hey, could you just write us a general letter that we could, could I that you could take with me to, you know, Timothy or whoever was asking for, you know, and and I'm not saying that's the case. I'm saying just as a thought experiment. Well, if you don't have a specific audience in mind, well, you just start talking about God, and, and you can just see Paul just kind of, yeah. just these words just kind of flowing from his mouth, and so you get that bigger picture
1: Correct. of the theology. Yeah, there's not individual names in it like you find in yeah. corinthians and romans and first and second timothy and, and titus and am i it, correct it, there there are some manuscripts that have two of ephesus missing yeah then in, in in line one where it says uh, uh paul an apostle of christ jesus to the to, by the will of god to the to the saints and uh, the ones being in ephesus that in ephesus there there is in some manuscripts a blank place there, almost as if you would think it could be written to the church. Now, we're in Marion, Indiana, to College Wesleyan Church in Marion, Indiana. And that's significant because
0: I I don't think we have, with any of other Paul's letters, we have that kind of manuscript factor. No, no. So, I think that's significant, especially because we're going to be in Ephesians now for the summer for about six, seven weeks. So, this is the... For our listeners, if regular listeners, we hope you all are regular (laughs) listeners, or if not, this is your chance to start fresh with a new series. This is the first episode then. So to have that in the back of our minds, uh, just as a, you know, it it invites us. Of course, I believe all of Paul's letters are for us, but some of them are for us through another community. And so using our best imagination slash historical knowledge to using our knowledge and imagination to, to hear the other side of the phone call the phone, as it were helps yeah. us make sense of what Paul's doing. What's the beauty is here, you kind of don't need to do that. I mean, you do, you, right. you have to understand the times, but there's not, he's not addressing, you know, uh, maybe a, a one specific or a cl- or, a, or, a, or like a letter, the Corinthians, he's clearly responding to a letter from them. So right. there's specific issues he's walking through. And then his theology just kind of peeks out in little one, one-liners, one you know, you, you, right. you discern it. And that's really important because we get to see the theology applied. Right. But
1: here we get to just see the theology in its mode of worship and praise. Darrell yeah. that's a, that's a, I mean, the, the important point of Ephesians is often when you're reading through Paul's letters, one of the questions I ask students, as you're going through, begin to identify what are the problems that Paul is solving. Hmm. Um, and when you read through Ephesians, it's almost like he, he's not solving <laughs> problems. He is declaring praise. He is talking about what Christ has done, the problem that he's solving, is actually bringing together two very diverse groups. Yeah, Jews and Gentiles are now one. So oneness and what the church looks like as it lives out that oneness is the only problem being solved. Really, and that's kind of just a general
0: problem in early Christianity rather than the specific issues that that might raise, like food sacrifice to idols or circumcision or these practical... That's what that plays out practically. Here you get the kind of... Well, sometimes I wish like... Ephesians, if you, if you could reorder the letters, you know, just put it first because it's a nice introduction to the, to and that's the whole. What, a of lot of this scholars
1: actually think that Ephesians may have actually been, if you will, the cover letter that circulated with Paul's letters. Wow! Because they were joined together very early in church history and distributed yeah. Heck, together. Even in
0: Second First or Second Peter, there's right. a reference to his letters as if they're traveling around as a corpus. Yeah, and and difficult to read. So, also wait. mentioned. <laughs> Yeah, you said we can't do this in English. You're really not supposed to do it in Greek either. I mean, it's a little long. That's right. It's a little excessive. That's
1: right. right. (laughs) But can can I play off something you said? It just kind of dawned on me as we were thinking about that. You mentioned earlier Columbo. Mm -hmm. And something about the show Columbo, if anybody ever watched Columbo, now I I encourage you to go on Netflix and go back and watch the first couple of episodes of it. It was always told backwards. Yeah. In all problem-solving you always get all the facts little bit by little bit. And then at the very end, there's this surprise. Columbo, you as the viewer, Opening scene. get, the, get, get the exactly what happened. Yep. And then it's Columbo solving it. So th- this, this praise, this is what the world looks like. I'm giving you the answer at the beginning. He does. And now watch it be played out in life.
0: Oh, that's really good. That's really good. Let's take a break there and come back and explore some more. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my uh, guest, Dave Smith. Happy to have him back on the show. And we're looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Let me just read it again. So, well, actually, I'll read it again after the second break. Uh, Because we talked on the break about maybe doing some big pick, like zooming out and kind of saying, let's talk about the whole book and the way it's structured. That'll be really helpful then, as we enter into the series. Now, okay. So, what what would you want? You already mentioned a few things about that large. If there's a problem, it's it's yeah. this larger problem of unity, and there's a piece of this that I that I wanted to ask you about that, but I'll save that for a moment. Let, let me let me just ask, well, what would be helpful for us to know as readers of Ephesians about how the whole is structured and its
1: flow and what it's all about? Uh, I would say, from a um, a writing standpoint. It's probably his most dense foray into the theological issue of ecclesiology. What is the church like? And how does that then play out? But it's also a wonderful look at who the pastor Paul is. Mm. So when I say that, after we get done with this passage in verse 14, he goes into prayer. And he he goes into this deep dive of a prayer, comes out of it for a breath in chapter two, goes right back into it in chapter three. So it's almost as if, if you're asking the question, how how does this blessing of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit come about into our lives? It's appropriated through prayer. Hmm. That's the way Paul uh, addresses it. So it is uh, him at his theological deepest and his most practical. This is not something to necessarily be exegeted. It's to be vocalized. Hmm. So, as as you're probably well aware, all of these letters were said aloud. They Hmm. were spoken aloud as they were written, and then written down by a scribe. And then when they were delivered to churches, they were re-vocalized, reanimated. And so, I can't imagine somebody reading through the first three chapters and not doing it from their knees as they're trying to... If you will, reanimate the the voice of the Apostle Paul praying for this church. Mm. And so that's a great first three chapters. That's what this is about. It is about how we pray how Jesus um, in John 17, for example, prayed mm-hmm. the church into existence. I pray that they would be one, Father, as you and I are one. And that's a theme in the book of ephesians again there is one god and one father one lord one baptism uh, one faith you can almost hear the prayer of jesus in john chapter 17 be engaged in the life of the church and then chapter 4 begins this mighty if you will therefore paul says therefore i a a slave of christ jesus call you to live a life worthy of the life to which you have been called. So there's this major shift between praise and thanksgiving and prayer that takes place in 1, 2, and 3 then the therefore this is the way you should live this out in Christian community. It's just beautiful cause and effect. Yeah, and that so, presses on 4 through 6. Right. Almost
0: exactly half and half. It's one of his more well-crafted letters yeah. in terms of proportion,
1: right. you know, it's about 50-50. And, and, and it ends with this, I mean, if you've ever been part of a vacation Bible school, a VBS, I am sure that at some point in your life you have learned about the armor of God. Mm-hmm. Whether it's been acted out, whether you had a, you know, some sort of backdrop to, to the performance of that, but you saw what a soldier looked like, that I believe is really the climax of the book. It is identifying who your enemy is. Your enemy, if you're a Jew, your enemy is not a Gentile. Mm. And if you're a Gentile, your enemy is not a Jew. You are one in Christ. If you don't like it, tough, because that's what it's going to be like in heaven. And I'm showing you what it looks like on earth. The only enemy we have. Is identified in chapter six as the evil one. We do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and high places. Is that uh, the truth that's being laid out in chapters one, two, and three is the reality of the world, and the lie is what's laid out in chapter six. And the problem is, we too often in our churches today we believe a lie. We have other adversaries that have we that we have designed whether it's culture whether it's uh, a democrat if you're a republican or a republican if you're a democrat it's political it's ideological no the only enemy you have is the evil one and when we get that story straight all of a sudden we can then go back and reread ephesians and go ah it's not my friend this is my brother, this is my sister. I'm going to spend all eternity with. I need to nourish that relationship, and the best way that we can do that is through prayer. So that's Ephesians one, two and three. And then all of a sudden, chapter four, how do I live worthy of the calling that God has voiced into my ear? Gentleness. Forgiveness, grace, love, endurance, compassion, all these things that he lays out are not just ethical commands that any mm. Roman would have heard. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. Yeah, and all that uh, fighting spirit that you're directing on each other,
0: he's telling, that has its place, but it's it's in the armor of God against the principalities' powers in high places, which, like you write, I see that in, the kind of inclusio at the end from the beginning, because here it's saying... Here's what's really going on. Pull back the veil. It's yeah. quasi apocalyptic in the heavens. This is what has already happened. It's not just you will be in heaven with these people. In some sense, you already are because <laughs> because yeah. your head, the head of the body, is at the right hand of the Father, and um, you He's are drawing in him. all things together yes, in Him, under Him as their head. Right. Right. right.
1: Powerful. Yeah. So then. Powerful.
0: Yeah. So it's really His enemy that we're facing. And we're just part of his body, his, his people. That's, that's, that's really, really powerful. That that's a great sort of overview thematically and structurally Mm -hmm. of the whole book of Mm -hmm. Ephesians. If I may ask you uh, a couple questions, then kind of coming back to this text, if I may thinking about that, we'll already mentioned from verse three, the, the, in the heavenly places as that, uh, that connection. But, uh, there were two things. One was you just mentioned it. There was a NIV made an interesting word choice for this strange verb in ten, verse ten, where it says uh, "summed up all things." Is that yeah? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anakephalio saste right? That's a mouthful. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. to put all things under <laughs> under their head, yep, right? Something yep. like that, right? Recapitulation, I believe, is how is. Where this that term that cla- that's a sort of early church concept mm-hmm. recapitulation mm-hmm. that would be a way to translate this Anna as re and cap in recapitulation cap is head capital mm-hmm. a heading Kep- so, uh-huh. and this is Kefal, uh so I don't know would you be willing to just say anything about that I, I, bring anything into unity. I don't know. I didn't. No, I feel like no. that's. I've got ESV out here. That sounds like
1: evangelicals afraid of. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is. It is trying to. It's not just blend unity together. Yeah. Um, the themes of the book, because unity is a key theme in the in the Book of Ephesians. So I can see how there could have been scholars sitting in a room saying, "How are we going to put in And don't forget, the NIV was translated for eighth graders. Yeah. So how can we help in a committee. A- <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so um but it is a huge it, it's almost a if there is such a thing a middle point breath where Paul's taking a breath kind of closing out verse 10 before he reengages again in 11 through mm-hmm. 14 but uh w- where he sums all these things together brings together everything in the universe um I'm not sure that I would even have words to be able to express it. Yeah. But let's put it this way. Often when I think about the work of Jesus on the cross, going to the empty tomb and being raised from the dead and ascending to heaven, all, all of these things, the whole be- thing becoming what it means for Christ to die for our sins, we think way too small. Um, we, okay. we We think, okay – Um, He has forgiven me for my sins so that I can live a life forgiven, be as moral as I can, and then go to heaven when I die. That is way too small when we find out that he has done all of this. And much of that is redemption that's not just vertical between me and God. It is redemption horizontally also between me and my brothers who I may... Have it sometime in the past seen as my enemies now. And that second thing is not just the ethical
0: implications of the gospel. It's at the heart. It's what was happening yeah. on the cross. Right. Chapter two
1: makes that. Absolutely. Really clear. Torn the wall down between them that separated mm-hmm. them and made the two. And I, I not love this. I, not I died for you. Therefore. Yeah. It's not in chapter four. It's not. Therefore, you should break That's down right. the walls. No, the wall has been broken down. That's right. And I love the, the phrase in there is that he has made a new human being. Mm-hmm. This is not just, you're forgiven. I have now reshaped humanity back to the way it was in Eden. The new Adam. Yeah. You know, what What is this like to actually imagine living a life without sin dominating your life? What would that be like? And uh, as I said, I teach these 18-year-olds, and they're trying to do their best not to sin today. Um, but, but what if you read this and actually understood that God is absolutely destroying this work that destroys you and setting you to live in him? That's, that's mm-hmm. the offer that he has for us. Um, so often, I'm afraid I'm settling for second best in the kingdom. And God is trying to say through Ephesians, I've got more in store, not just for you as an individual, John, but for your family, your community, for this globe. I have much more in store for that. And sometimes, now I'm going to speak personally, I think that's just too good to be true. Hmm. And I may end up settling for second best. May that not be so. Yeah, especially just thinking,
0: well, I mean, how could this be true? It's almost like how could this be true of me? You know? Uh, yeah, settling for second best because it's safer.
1: Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I won't be putting it's him familiar. to the test. That, ah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I want to I protect God's honor, not just my own.
0: And, uh, and that's the connection to prayer again because prayer is always putting God to the test, yeah. whether we realize it or not. And when you really realize that, then prayer is with a little trembling. You mentioned earlier the picture of Hearing or reading these words on the knees, and I'm just imagining. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll we'll stick with Ephesians because at least that was at least one of the churches that received this letter. Yeah, and that would have been a of the cities uh, on that on the western coast of Asia Minor. There, I mean, Ephesians was was the big dog, so it kind of makes sense. But I'm, I'm thinking over in Acts, we get a narrative of his long goodbye speech to them and how special they were to him, and it occurs to me. I just was kind of picturing it in my mind, as you said that earlier, the thought of these people who, you know, the, the elders among them who came to faith, came to Christian faith through the ministry of Paul, through his many years of living with them and ministering to them, and the thought of having not seen him for months, maybe years, and others who've come to faith and heard about this man, but have not met him. Mm-hmm and them being gathered together and, and hearing there's a new letter hmm. from the apostle. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Why would they wouldn't call Paul? The apostle has sent a letter. Right? Yeah. You can, yeah. you can imagine it that way. And, and gathering together in a large house, you know, and hearing it read. And I can just picture people who came to faith through his ministry, falling on their knees as they basically are hearing him pray for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, in the moment as as their emissaries right there. And just how how moving. This text is more moving to me today than it's maybe ever been. It's one of my favorites. just mm. hearing you talk about mm. it and picturing the people hearing, you know, this prayer. You know, hearing this praise. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Hearing things they've heard before, being reminded, having moments of oh there goes Paul again in his long sentences. You know, they were yeah. but also yeah. Hearing some
1: new things, some new ways of putting things, uh, yeah. Shap- shaping, yeah, shaping prayer. So it's both a petition to God. I mean, it is it is our communication with God. But Paul's prayers are also to be heard by yeah. other humans. It is the overheard prayer. Yeah. And would you Would you mind if I just read, read the very beginning of? So we're done with fourteen. Then you go into fifteen. For this reason, he says. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, we can't underestimate that. Mm. He's saying, your your faith in the Lord, but your love for all of God's people. Yeah. So all of a sudden, it's, oh, you mean not most of them, not yeah, some of them, the... but, but all. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you may know him better. Mm. I've spent the last 35 years trying to figure out how to know God and know him better. I've read, I've studied, and I am floored every time I read scripture in the morning. And I, I have kind of these two ways of doing things. I will have what many people do, kind of this devotional time where I read as if I'm the center of the universe, God, I'm inviting you into my world, but then there are these times where I turn and I want to read it from his perspective. God, you now invite me into your world so I can hear you speak. I want to know you better. It's, It's to go from Ephesians to Philippians. I want to know God I want to know Christ, the power of His resurrection, mm. and to share in the fellowship of His sufferings. I, I want that, and uh, that's often entered into through prayer. In mm. Paul's and as you said, can you imagine somebody? Now, I, I did this recently without thinking about it. I was at a church down in uh, Alabama, United Methodist Church, down in Dothan, Alabama. Wonderful church. I was actually preaching on John chapter 17. Hmm. And uh, as I began to read the text, I didn't think anything about it. All of a sudden, I found myself on my knees as I was reading aloud Jesus' words in John chapter 17. It would have been a nice scripted thing to do, but I didn't. I just found myself standing behind a pulpit was not the right posture to be in. And I think in this case... You could almost make the argument that the whole first three chapters are Paul praying. The blessing at the beginning it's a is, of praise. is yeah. it's a prayer of praise. Uh, and it goes along with, uh, I mean, some of the other blessings that take place in both the Old and the New Testament, probably the one we know best would be that of uh, Zechariah. And after he finds out about John the Baptist mm. and who John the Baptist is, he then gives this blessing in uh, the end of Luke chapter 1. That's our response. What what do we say to God after we realize that we've actually participated in some small way in the redemption of the world? Zechariah praises God. And what does Paul do? Same thing. So it's no different from prayer. It's just different words. Yeah, not petitionary
0: prayer, but prayer in its mode of praise. Right. It's all a orientation towards god as the giver of all good gifts um either as the one who's already given them or as the one whom we're asking to give more you know it's like praise petition they're just two sides of the same coin their difference is because we're creatures in time and so (laughs) right we one's done one's yet right we're hoping to be yeah but from from god's point of view it's all uh Anakephali, Osasthai, right? It's all, it's all united under one head in Christ. Let's take a quick break and explore some sermon starters. Great,
1: great. And we're
0: back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest Dave Smith, and we're looking at Ephesians chapter one, verses three. Let me just read it one more time uh, just to get it fresh back in our minds and our listeners' ears and then explore some sermon starters. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, Messiah, who has blessed us in the Messiah with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, Just as he chose or elected us, I like elected better, even as he elected us in him before the founding of the world to be ourselves holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus, Messiah, according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of the glory of His grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He graced upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which he set forth in the Messiah as a plan for the fullness of time, recapitulating all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, in whom we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in the Messiah might be to the praise of his glory in whom also you when you heard the word of truth the gospel of salvation your salvation in whom also you believed and were sealed with the promise of the spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory the word of the lord thanks be to god I tried to get a one-sentence by, but I still couldn't. <laughs> I still would lose it in the uh, subordinate clauses. But uh, yeah, so let's explore some sermon starters. If you were, I, I know you, I'm sure you've, I think I've even heard you preach on this text before, but uh, if you were uh, asked to come preach on this text, uh, maybe at the last minute filling in, so we're like, okay, let's, where will we start, you know? And, or if you were wanted to offer advice to others who are preaching or teaching on this text, what what would be your jumping off point. We could start at the end. We could start with the altar call. We can start with the yeah, illustration. Yeah, we can yeah, start with the theme. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. But because sermons don't
1: start at the beginning of the sermon, as we all know. No, like, no, so, no,
0: So how would you get started or recommend yeah, others
1: might get I started? I think I might. I mean, I, I, I just, you, you, you triggered something and you're mentioning about Columbo that I think I might actually begin with an episode of Columbo and just kind of talk, okay, now we're, we're going to get the uh, criminal and we're going to get the crime known up front. And then the rest of the book is about solving that. Mm-hmm. And so here, instead, what we have is the hero. Here we have the description of what God looks like in Christ, and then we are sealed in that through the Holy Spirit. So we get all three pre- people of the, the Holy Trinity mm-hmm. in these first uh, few verses. That's well, a yeah, great place to start
0: Father and ends with Spirit.
1: Right. I missed that. That's right. It's <laughs> so obvious now that you mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, or. Or, I might actually start with uh, verse 3, that just says, you know, blessed be our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. Now, I'll sound kind of uh, um, structural for a minute, but the word order there is important. Oh, it is. It's interesting, the repetition. Yeah. That is a general statement. That will be particularized in all the verses that are subsequent to it. Okay. It's kind of a, though it's still part of the sentence, it is introducing you to everything that's going to come behind it. So I would spend probably the bulk of my time on that and then use particulars in the subsequent verses to Hmm. help flesh that out. In other words, that is such a big statement. What, what does it mean that we give praise to our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then He has? This is now the verbalized part. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, whether you can see them or not, with every spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. That's, that's where they're stored. That's the unseen. Yeah, 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 yeah. In in Christ, in Him, and the
0: blessing is also an N. Oh yeah, in the original. In, oh yes, N. Yeah, yeah, in. Yeah. Every spiritual blessing, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, which is already the word spirit in the form, in an adjectival form there. Yeah. Yeah. That in some sense, even the blessings are not things that he gave us, but realities into which he's put us. <laughs> right. Yeah. We are in the blessings. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know that's maybe overdoing the preposition, but. No,
1: no. And the but, blessings uh, don't have to be, often we think of them as being tangible yeah tangible so can i can I give you an illustration then of a tangible blessing I, I mentioned to you about being down at this United Methodist Church and preaching on John chapter seventeen. Mm-hmm. This was the day after graduation here on campus, and John, you know from teaching undergraduates that you run all semester long and you 're utterly exhausted mm-hmm. at the end of the semester. That was me the next day in the morning i 'm standing in a pulpit getting ready to preach. And several things went wrong technologically during the sermon. It's a a, a large church, so I don't have notes in front of me. I was told they would be on a screen on the back of the church, which is a large church. I can't read the screen in the back. And so I literally had to, if you will, do a brand new sermon from memory, assuming that all my notes were back there. It was the worst sermon I have ever preached Bar none. I got done with the message. I went back into a back room. My wife went with me, and she just asked me this question. What just happened? I mean, it was that bad. I mean, a wife's usually going (laughs) to give you a mulligan. It was that bad. So anyway, um, I got the notes. I went back out, preached two more services that morning. And at the end of that, this lady walked up. She goes, I had to come back and tell you. She was a part of that first service. There was only one line in there mm. that she remembered. And here's what I said. I said, I'm asking you this morning to say yes to all that Jesus is. That's all she heard. Mm. And she told me this disastrous story about her life. But she told me, I said yes to Jesus this morning because mm. you instructed me to. It was the most amazing blessing I've ever received, because it was the worst sermon I've ever preached. (laughs) She didn't hear any of that. She just heard Jesus speaking to her life, and she said yes to him. That's a blessing. Nothing to—I mean, it was awful from a sermon perspective, but it's wonderful from God bestowing from the heavenly realms where all these blessings are stored in Christ, here it is, my daughter, whom I love. Yeah. How great. Oh, great.
0: I kind of feel like to really teach and preach this text, it's really inviting listeners to taste and see that the Lord is good, to experience deep in their hearts, you know, what's being described here. And to me then, as just both as a spiritual exercise of trusting the Lord to do that and asking the Lord to do that by praying all along in preparation, the back half of this chapter, Mm. right? To pray that, that that would happen. That almost be a nice thing to do. Instead of preaching on that prayer to say, I'm going to pray that prayer and then shape a sermon around. How Mm. can I offer some means of grace to help others experience what I'm asking God to do for them and at least not get in the way of that. And then boy, just rhetorically, but also as a matter of human rhetoric which preaching is both uh, a spiritual practice and a a human practice, to just ask, like, I mean, even that story you just told there, I can't help but think as, you know, every spiritual blessing to kind of maybe just even start, as it were, the old song, Count Your Blessings, to kind of narrate some blessings. What are some things I've seen? What are some things others have seen? Some stories, some testimony. Yeah. And to narrate a few of those, and I could imagine, I could see, I mean, just talking to listeners, if anyone here is preparing to teach others, to just say, you know, if you went and just took a journal and just wrote down a number of stories, just some stories along the lines of what you just shared, of ways in which you've just seen God at work, and not not thinking about how they map on to the technical terminology of this at first, just list, you know, a few, maybe 10 or so, and then go through the text next to it. Yeah. Uh, even cut out the text into pieces. I mean, you know, type it up separate or cut yeah. and paste it onto a piece <laughs> yeah. of paper. Don't cut up your Bible, but cut it up. And then maybe have one word or phrase that captures the essence of some of, those, some of those stories. And then just match a few and just say, what are some stories, some narratives of experiences that, that I've seen or that I've heard or that I've heard about in my church or out in the world that express that and see if you see some connections, you know, like a bit about adoption there. Maybe there's a story that would click with that. Uh, um, that one about from the heaven leads to the praise of his glorious grace. You know, you could think of that purpose of his will might fit your story you just told. Yeah. Like, well, he had a purpose and he yeah. accomplished something despite
1: me and, and despite it, the things that went wrong. And that, for me, the interesting thing was she never saw any of that. Now, yeah. I, think, I think everybody else did, <laughs> but she never saw. All she saw was Jesus and uh, how glorious is that? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then even in all those stories to like, and maybe the culmination could be, or the penultimate moment could be to tell a moment of a story in Christ's own life, his death and resurrection, something that kind of indicates that's where this has taken place mm. and locked it in. But even then to pause and say, but even that was only executing something from all eternity in heaven, you yeah. know, and yeah. to narrate as yeah. best as we can, which we can't, the mystery of the father, you know, turning to the son and the spirit and say, let's get them in on this, <laughs> this thing we've got, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. I like that. I like that idea because you can break this down wonderfully by participle, by, by verbs. Yeah. So you can kind of make out a list. I, I, I quickly went through um, this afternoon. You could, uh, if you wanted to preach a sermon series, preach a sermon series oh, on the, the blessed, the chosen, the destined, the, the bestowed, the lavished, the make known, the gather up. You each could, one. Each each one. And the one in particular, which is a really interesting word, the one in, in, in verse six that says, I have some of the translations, say, I have lavished on you, I have graced you. Mm-hmm. We don't have a verb form of that Greek word. And they, Greeks don't use it very often. As a matter of fact, only twice in the New Testament is that word used. The first, here, but the one earlier, or the, the first one in Paul is here. The one earlier is when the angel comes to Mary and says, you are highly favored. Yeah, Hail Mary full of grace That's in the old version. That's exactly it. And and th- that that is what, th- that's the words, I think, that I long for most of all. I want to know that I am graced by God. Um, mm. And that, and that's, we're confirmed. Our, our greatest hunger is that. And we don't even have, which, which is great, we don't have English to be able to do that. We don't have words to be able to do that. We just, uh, it's, it's at times, uh, this is probably not good preaching technique, but it's saying, you just have to experience it to know it. You have to be there to know it, to be graced by God.
0: I got to be honest, The my, my favorite scriptures are these, these really contemplative ones. This, Romans 8, John 17, and they're the hardest to preach on for me. Because I kind of feel like I just want to say... You need to experience this to understand it, which, like you said, is it's tricky. So, I mean, as a preacher and teacher, how do you just cope with that as a shepherd of others to know that at the end of the day, um, there's nothing you can do as a poet, a maker of words, to bring this about. There's very little you can even do to help bring it about. It, it just is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the scales fall off the eyes or they don't. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, it's not irrelevant that words like prevenience, predestination come to mind in this very chapter. Cause there's a bit of a, I kind of don't know exactly what the secret is. It's, it's, it's a, it's a mystery how this works. And I, mean, I, I just wonder, cause I've seen you do it. I've seen you preach on these, these very, meditative passages. And, of course, now that I think of it, you just, you, you speak from the heart
1: and you talk about how it affects you. And that's about, maybe that's yeah. the answer, right? But. Yeah. I try to bear witness to it. Well, and that's what, in verses 15 and following, as Paul is beginning to pray for the church, he's saying, I'm praying because I've seen this in you. Mm-hmm. You may not have had the words to identify. I just identified for you what I've seen in you. Mm. And so, I'll tell you what I did at, at, when I closed um, the message In Alabama, I had the church print up cards. They were nicely done, cards of John chapter 17. Hmm. At the end of the sermon, I read that aloud to the church and passed out one to every single person. And here was was the charge to them. Take it home and read it aloud in your living room. Allow these words to uh, reverberate throughout the room. Echo off the walls. Hear them state. This is what... Christ is praying for you in heaven right, right now. now. Believe that. And in, in this case, I would say if you're mm-hmm. preaching through Ephesians one three through fourteen, print it out on a card. It, it could be on your bulletin, but there's something about a separate card, card stock, maybe laminated yeah, that you can stick it, in as a they bookmark. Won't, they won't throw it away. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and, and break it down in nice lines yep. so you can follow the the train of thought. Yep. You know, every new clause is a new line, right. almost like poetry. Right. I think it also that would help with it make it more readable yeah because it doesn't read real well in paragraph
1: form it's paul at his densest but it's also paul as he is trying to articulate what it means that we are actually seated with him in the heavenly places in christ what what does that mean and you don't want to sell that short So have people read it again and again. And what I what I told folks when they left, if you do this once a day for two weeks, once a day for two weeks, you'll have John seventeen memorized. Yeah. Same thing with Ephesians one. Yeah. It won't be a dense prayer. You'll have it. You'll have it. That's good advice, General. I mean, we've been I've
0: been doing that lately actually on the show more frequently lately, asking during the sermon starters time, kinda asking well, where, where, where's the sermon going to end? Let's work back from there. Mm. And, and the thought, like I could imagine planning that activity at the end of the sermon, and then just simply asking. And of course, while I'm breaking that down and stuff, that's all I'm experiencing the text again for myself as I'm breaking it down and typing it up and getting it look to look nice. And yeah. uh, some of that can be uh, procrastinatory, busy work, but that's okay. That's part <laughs> of that's part of the creative process. Yeah. And then just ask myself, as I'm praying, ask the Lord to show, you know, okay, what do they need to see, hear, feel to help prepare them to encounter this text for themselves? And right. and and just and that's the principle of selectivity. It's no fancy uh, rhetorical advice. It's not even really an outline per se, although, you know, put it into an outline eventually. But kind of think, well, okay, I'd want them to understand what some of these words mean. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, want them to have a little sense of the the picture of what it would be like for the letter to be handed on, right? right? Paint right. that picture. It's a little historical there, a little, a little uh, word clarification, and some, some stories of what this looks like yeah. in real life yeah. uh, to taste. And that's enough, you know, and trust the word to do the rest of the work.
1: And often, uh, this, this sounds terrible. Even me as a preacher... Um, A week after I have preached the sermon, I don't remember what I said, (laughs) so I can't expect anybody in the church to do it. But if I hand somebody a card and have them have it in their Bible, and every time they open their Bible up, either it falls out Mm -hmm. or they take it out, because here's what I said. I actually passed them, several services later, another card that had the prayers of Paul. So the mm-hmm. prayers of Paul in chapter 1, Ephesians 1, and in Ephesians 3. And I said, since he's asking you, asking God himself to open up our minds so we might be able to understand his wisdom and discernment. That's what we're asking God to do. Mm-hmm. Read that aloud before you read your Bible. Yeah, They may tiny. not remember my words at all, but every time they read the word, take out these words of Paul and read them aloud. That is their way of declaring, if you will, Evil one, get behind me Mm -hmm. because I'm talking to Jesus right now. And so Ephesians will reverberate again and again. They won't remember a word that I said. I don't want them to. I want them to remember Paul's words.
0: Yeah, that's good stuff. Well, it's my prayer too for all those listening in. Thanks so much, Dave, for giving an hour of your time uh, and, and sharing your heart with us. And I'll just say now, as always, thanks to all our listeners for listening in and getting the word out about the show. Thanks so much. Thanks to todd and eric for the production work behind the scenes can't imagine doing this without them thanks to tom adamson for donating the theme music and uh, thanks to our patron saints who support the show uh, if you want to look into ways to support the show and get some extra content go to patreon.com slash fresh text yeah with that we say have a good preach and a great week bye bye